Hey, good evening, friends. Uh, welcome to the table. My name is Matt Moberg. I'm one of the pastors here at the table, and we are so grateful that you are uh, with us tonight in this space. If it's your first time being in this space with us, then I want to encourage you that, especially in this time where we need community and connection more than we typically even realize that we do, uh, be chatty in that chat. Get chatty in that chat. Like, let's connect with one another. If things are popping up, if I say something heretical and you want to file a motion to have me removed from the church, then let's let's name that accordingly. Let's get it out there. Let's just find ways to connect. Uh, let's make this as much as is possible uh, an active thing that we get to do together. Sound good? Um, but yeah, so thank you. Thank you for being in this space with us. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us tonight. Thank you actually for being in, in a lot of different spaces with us, especially this past week. You guys, holy Christmas cows. Holy Christmas cows. You showed up in so many different spaces in such a profound way. I mean, if I could just take you back to the days of your last Friday morning where Debbie and I, we received an ask from somebody in the community that said, with all of the stores closed down and, this, and, and the different spots that we go to typically for our household items, there are families that need diapers. There are families that need food. There are families that need the things that they typically can just gain access to at these spots, but they can't do so right now. And so in response, we threw out a, a pallet outside of Knox Church and hoped that, that would be sufficient that somebody in the community would 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 stop by with some diapers and and come through and make it happen and some people did in fact uh a lot of people did <laughs> we had thousands of diapers thousands of, of of containers of food and we had so many things that came through on that day we had people driving up from from hour and a half away um, we had so many things that came through that day that we actually ordered up one truck earlier and had to cancel it because it wouldn't be sufficient in size. And we had to get a 26-foot Penzi truck that we filled to the brim so much so that the excess stuff that we couldn't get in the truck had to be put in the Knox Library. That is incredible. Come on, you guys. That's amazing. I dare somebody to say something stupid about our city after that because this is a community that leans in and loves hard, especially when there is not enough love that preceded it. We are in a community that sees a crisis, that sees a chaos, and sees an opportunity to cultivate some good news in the midst of so much bad news. And so thank you for being in that space. Thank you for showing up and volunteering. Thank you for staying home and doing some internal audits on, on what's going on in you. What are things that we are carrying within, especially for our white folk? What are things that we are carrying within and are complicit in of, in of complicit in? Um, that are perpetuating the problems that we are seeing in the streets today. Whatever your role was, you all played a role, be it through proactive volunteering or praying with the community. Thank you for showing up in these spaces this past week. And, and I will add to that gratitude, just a personal thank you. Thank you for uh, being such a support to me and to Debbie as, as the leaders of this community. Um, I got emotional the other day, so I'm not going to do so again, but getting emails or texts or just late night calls saying um, kind things, <laughs> encouraging things. I can't tell you how often I felt like that passage in Hebrews where it says, y'all need to be encouraging each other every day. Trust me, it's important. I'm like, yeah, it is. Because it was the fuel behind so much of this um, stuff. It's just been a lot this past week. There's been a lot this past week. 
Um, in fact, Emily Trappe, who, by the way, happy birthday, Emily. I meant to call you yesterday, but because, um, um, I don't know, I have no excuse. No, I just forgot. I'm sorry. Happy birthday. You are loved. We appreciate your leadership so much. Emily, though, asked me, said, we're about to pray for you guys as the community. Is there anything in particular that, that you would like us to pray for? And I tried to respond to her text three different times, um, but I couldn't do so. I think with the so muchness of this past week, it was just such a struggle to articulate what the particular prayer would be. I mean, there's been hope and joy and sadness and anger and frustration and fatigue. And, and as I was writing these texts and, and never actually getting around to send them, uh, what really struck me as true is that what I am experiencing right now is completely episodic, but this is what many people are experiencing as a chronic condition. This isn't an on and off again thing. This is a constant reality, especially being black in America. It's just true. And so until that truth, that particular truth of oppressive realities that, that, that haunt us still to this day, until that truth becomes an untruth, we the church have work to do. And I say that we the church have work to do because this is the work that the church is called to do. This is our central task. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, um, so like w when the cameras all go away, when the thing shuts down, like do, what kind of role do you see the, uh, the church playing in dismantling um, injustices out there or, or, or taking down white supremacy? And I said, that is, that's the work. Like stepping into the streets for justice and protesting for a better world. That's not a side gig of the church. It is the central task that we take on. It's what we do because it's who we are. It's our calling that is on our lives. That, that's the core piece of who we are. I mean, trust me, y'all, I know I can't wait till we get back together. I understand um, how much some of you are missing singing songs and passing the peace and being there together around the bread and the wine. But hear me when I say that just because the buildings have shut down, the church has never been more open and active and involved. And that's important because this is where we were supposed to be all along. We are in this critical and chaotic time that is also catalytic. And so we need to lean in and listen and ask, what is the Spirit of God saying in the midst of all the suffering, the tragedy, the anger, and the hope that we need to hear right now? Because the calling on our lives, the calling on our church life, has always been to be active in the battle against injustice. I mean, this is what Jesus said when Jesus first stepped on the scene and he was asked, so what are you all about? Like, what's like your mission statement, vision? How do we brand you? He said, if you want to know, uh, I'm here actually to set the captives free. I'm here to recover sight for the blind. I'm here to proclaim the year of Jubilee, the restoration of Israel. I am here to change systems that haven't been changed for too long. And what Jesus said then is really just an echo of what the ancient prophets said first. I mean, you recall the prophet Amos, who in a moment where the land was, was crippled with injustice, he went up to church folk like you and I with the word of God in his heart that came through his mouth and through wet eyes and clenched fists. He shouted at the people, I can't stand your religious meetings. 
I'm fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations, and your image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time that you just sang to me? Listen, do you want to know what I really want? I want justice. I want oceans of it. I want fairness. I want rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. And so how long will we carry on with this work of justice? Until Hennepin, until Lake Street, until Chicago in 38th, until the streets of Vidana and Minneapolis, until all these spaces are covered in water from oceans of justice and rivers of fairness. We won't stop, can't stop until we see that reality come to truth. That's what we're in pursuit of today. And so I want to look at a text today. Um, this is, to be honest with you, talk about being in a space. It's the first time I've been in my office all week. And, and so I don't want to labor on too long. My wife told me I should just step in front of a camera and start talking. And, and that's dangerous because we might be here for two days. But there is a text that jumped out at me this week that I do want to provide you with as a reflection. And, and by this, I mean, please don't look into what I'm about to say for like clever or cute sound bites. Listen to what this text is saying and ask, what does this mean for our, what, our work that we're going to do next? The text I want to look at is in Acts 16. It might be a familiar story to you, but if not, let me give you the, the cliff notes real quick. Paul and Silas are in prison. They have been incarcerated, and as they are sitting in their cell together and they're talking about whatever, they start singing these hymns. And as they are lifting up their voices, the earth joins in with them in song. The earth starts shaking. There is an earthquake at midnight, and the cells split open, and the chains all fall, and the captives all go free. Now there is a jailer who's responsible for keeping the prisoners imprisoned who sees this all happening and is going, oh boy, I am screwed. I am royally screwed right now. He is in such a dark and depressed place that he's like, I, I, this, is, this is the end, Jim Morrison. This is the end. He looks at his sword and he's about to fall on it and take on his own life thing. And I can't go on knowing that they just all got out when he hears from cell number three, Paul and Silas shouting, Hold up, we are still here. Don't do anything stupid, because we are still here. What just happened is not your fault. You could not have seen that earthquake coming, and so we're still here. God did this, now we have something to say from God to you. They have this beautiful story where this jailer gets enveloped into the story of the church, and Typically, that text in Acts 16, it goes to that point and then it stops because there's about 10,000 different uh, pep talks that can be derived from that text. And there's a lot in there that is inspiring me just as I read it. But for this week, there was something that jumped out at me and it wasn't embedded in that story. It was embedded in the fine print that followed it. On the morning after the earthquake, the, the powers that be come to Paul and they come to Silas and they inform them that, listen, you two, you all now are cleared to go away in peace. The storm has passed. You all can step away. You can go back to your lives. We have survived that chaos of last night. We don't know how it all happened or who was responsible, who did what, but, but you guys can go back to life as it was. 
And there's this profound moment that I honest to God had never noticed before. When Paul hears his permission to leave the pain behind him, but instead turns around to address the problem behind the pain. He turns around and he says to the jailers, uh, I heard what you said, but listen, something crooked just went down and we're not just going to step away from it. They have beaten us in public. Us, who are uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. They have thrown us into prison and now they're going to try to discharge us in secret, please. Certainly not. Let them come and take us out themselves. Paul understood that just because he can walk away doesn't mean that he should walk away. Paul understood that justice is not saying to one another, let's make sure that this never happens again to us. Justice requires us to say to one another, let's make sure that this never happens again, period. Full stop. Paul understood that the pain that we experience is a byproduct of a system that was problematic. And until we address the system behind the suffering, we're never going to stop the suffering because the system will keep popping out new forms of it. This is why when you go on to the streets and you hear no justice, no peace, it is not a threat. It is a mere observation. If you do not provide a just society, if you do not provide an equitable system, then stop playing as if everything is going to be pacified and stable because that is sick. It is wrong. It is perverse. Until you fix the system, there will continue to be suffering. Until you provide justice, there will be no productive peace. It just won't happen. So Paul says, I'm not going to leave until I look at the problem in the eyes. I'm not going to just run away when I instead need to face it and deal with it. Not just so that I am free, not just so that I, it doesn't happen to me again, but so it doesn't happen to them down the road. So it doesn't happen. It can't be as cyclical as it has become. What happened was wrong. Getting to walk away is not right. Paul understood 2,000 years ago what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said less than 100 years ago. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that we are not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. I've said this before, but I want to make sure I keep on saying it because it's so essential that we who are in the church never forget that the church is not dogma in search of obedience. The church is love in search of form. The church is love with form. Love without form, it's fragile. It's not fierce. It is poetic, but it's absent of power. It doesn't actually do anything. And so we need to continue to have church. We need to find ways to encourage and edify one another, but we don't need more abstract pep talks that are absent of power. We need to have corrective action that names the system of white supremacy that undergirds the systems of oppression in our society. That's what we need. We can't just be aware of white supremacy. We can't just be discerning of white supremacy. We need to be active in our dismantling of this system that is benefiting some at the expense of others. I ran into a black pastor the other day who said that, he said that the white people's, the white church's comfort has been paid for by the oppression of black people. For far too long, the white church has been told by the powers that be that you have permission to leave the pain behind you. 
and we adhere to that without acknowledging that we're leaving the problem intact. For far too long, the white church has been told that you are free to go in peace while the Voting Rights Act has been systematically stripped away. For far too long, the white church has been told you can go back and, and reset and recalibrate and get back to your normal rhythms of life. While in our wake, black bodies were being terrorized in the war of drugs and black masculinity was being re-enslaved with the prison industrial complex. For far too long, the white church has walked away and believed that the aim of racial justice is unity when the aim of racial justice has always been equity. The aim of racial justice isn't that someday we can all be friends. The aim of racial justice is that someday we can all be free, truly free. As one pastor said this past week, it is not enough to celebrate diversity if you are going to insist upon ignoring the disparities. Paul and Silas were told that they can go in peace, but instead they turned around and said, let's talk to you about the problem. Not, not the pain of last night, not the quake that came at midnight, but the problem that somehow gave you this idea that you have permission to brutalize people in the streets and get away with it. This idea that you thought that you could do what you want to us. Uh, I wish we could just walk away, but we're followers of Jesus who never did. And so we're going to walk in when others walk out. When the cameras all go away, we're going to stay our ground. When people start moving on to other topics and are distracted by other things, we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep trying to figure out how do we make this right. Paul demands from the people an apology from those in power and they come out and they offer it and then they demand that he leaves the city and him and Silas, they're about to get out of the city but I want you to pay attention to what happens in Acts if you read the story. They do leave the city but before they leave the city, they stop at Lydia's house. And they stop at Lydia's house, which is the house that now includes this jailer from last night and it is the house that's going to be the house that forms the church of Philippi. And so for these people who, are, who are, are rising up in the midst of oppressive power, they are starting this new community that is defining what it looks like to love. And when Paul sets out to write his letter to this church and remind them about what the essence of love looks like, Paul says to them this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then please make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not even look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, and the subtext is because that's where love always leads. You hear what Paul is saying? Paul is saying that Jesus himself could have walked away. He had equality with God and yet let that go for the equity of all people. He chose to serve instead. 
He chose to enter into the pain that was produced by the problems and say something has to change and follow me because I'm about to make a new way forward. That's our work as the church. And so as we step into this summer now, and we try to figure out what it looks like for us as a community, we are going to create these gathering groups that are going to lay out, and we're going to lay out these different paths that you can take. We're going to do a study on um, prisons and mass incarceration, these, these systems of slavery on steroids. We'll have movie clubs where there's going to be people who are looking at movies that address some of these issues, and then we're going to have conversations and action attached to that. We're going to have... Um, book clubs that discover things about white fragility, racism in the church. Um, we're going to lay out a lot of different resources for you and we're going to ask you to join one of these groups and take on some of these resources and, and let's all continue to evolve and expand together but let's not just leave because the cameras go away. Let's not just leave the pain behind us because there are still many problems that we need to engage with. We're in this thing together. I love you church so much. Grateful to be in this story with you.